Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by the score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm uh, flying solo today, and uh, I'm joined on the line by Matt Moore from the Action Network to discuss the NBA's uh, new deal with MGM uh, as they continue to uh, wade into the gambling waters. Matt. How's it going, man? I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. I got from a nap for you. That's how important you are to me, that I actually rouse myself from a nap to do this with you i was gonna say like i feel like naps are like the probably the most important thing and the most rewarding thing as a parent i wouldn't know yeah they're they are they are not inconsequential um i will say that so it just shows you my dedication to you and your efforts on the internet well thank you thank you only person that grinds harder than me is you um let me just ask you with this part so i don't know anything about sports gambling um but you are something of an expert on this. So just tell me, why did the NBA enter into this MGM uh, deal? What's the motivation behind both sides here? Sure. So uh, there's a cynical way of looking at it, and there's an optimistic way of looking at it. And the optimistic way to look at it is the league is embracing this thing that is going to be a growing part of its industry. It's another opportunity to um, be a part, an active, what they call a stakeholder, an active participant in the conversations about it, that by entering in this relationship with MGM, it means that they'll have a say in all of the betting-related products that the MGM brings to the public with regards to the NBA. It means that um, their fans that bet through MGM will have access to official data. It means that MGM will provide them with anonymized gambling data so that the NBA can better monitor for any violations that might in, uh, might indicate impropriety or serve as a warning flag to something um, possibly threatening the integrity of the game. Um, these are all kind of the optimistic view of it, th- that there's a lot in this deal uh, that's part of the NBA's ever-expanding brand and their forward-thinking approach to progress with regards to technology uh, and emerging markets and also how society changes. The Society has changed a lot in 20 years from where it was in the 90s where gambling really was kind of a forbidden kind of subject and now it's much more accepted and talked about and, and we just kind of no longer hide the fact that so many people do it. Um, and the NBA is embracing that the way that they've embraced other uh, kind of concepts and, and chosen to be more progressive. That's the optimistic view. Uh, the cynical view is money, 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 money. Um, this deal includes in it um, as part of the three year, twenty five million dollar deal that was reported by Darren Ravel of ESPN. Um, it includes in it access to official data that the NBA will send over official data uh, to MGM for them to use and MGM can then go to the public and say you are not going to get any sort of shady numbers on rebounding or steals or whatever um, to be able to to do any of that and the data will be instantaneous. It'll be faster so MGM can provide live betting instantly in a feed that is going to route instantly from the arena directly to the devices that are using MGM software whether it's in the casinos or on apps or however it gets parlayed. Um, so the 25 million, while it does include the branding opportunities and partnerships and all of those type of deals, it also very much includes that component, which means that the NBA, to whatever degree that this deal has set that market price as part of it in it, the NBA has now established a market price for their data, mm. which means everybody else that's not using their official data either has to live with that and that the public will know you're not using the official data from the NBA, you're not an official partner, you're not getting the most sound, most solid stuff uh, in it whatsoever, um, or you will have to go 
to the NBA and then negotiate a deal like this one just for the data. Adam Silver was very particular in his press conference to say this is not an exclusive deal. Um, this is a deal that it has the while it does provide MGM with the title of their official gaming sponsor, it does not close off the opportunity for the for the NBA to then sell their data as feeds to these other entities, which means that there's a whole door for them to make a lot of money. Because let's say that, that the MGM, this is ballparking, I don't know what the figures are. Let's say that the NBA values it at $5 million. And when New York opens up legislation, which they had a bill, they decided to table it, it'll probably get done next year. Mm-hmm. Let's say that 30 different enterprises decide to open up and they get, and that there's looser legislation in terms of who can open up an app, right? Because that's part of what's going to change is if you're entirely dealing out of a shop, you don't have all the costs that go with a casino. You don't have cashiers or payroll or um, cages or drinks or any of the things that go with opening casino. All you're doing is basically acting as a money exchange for the gaming aspect of it right um once that happens if that were to happen then all of those different entities if they want to use the nba's official data could then be charged five million furthermore it opens up the possibility that the nba could then say you are using our product sir which is the games using our licensing using all these things and we don't have an official agreement with you and you're not paying us which means we have a legal case against you it's very unlikely the NBA goes that route, mm-hmm. but it does put that club in their bag, so to speak. Um, so this deal does a lot for the NBA in terms of establishing what they want to want to do. Um, you mentioned sort of uh, all the money that could be flowing in, and that's obviously one of the biggest things that Silver has done. Uh, in addition to, um, you know, taking some social stances and just generally being more progressive than the other, at least North American sporting leagues. Um, you know, he's brought in a ton of money for the league, and we've seen that with uh, the new TV deal, the crazy cap spike that happened uh, because of it. And also, I mean, reports are that the NBA wants uh, a 1% integrity fee on every bet that is made. I think that is sort of what they're going into it with. Um, how realistic is it that they can get that from um, these negotiations? And also, if they do get that, what's the effect going to be like on the salary cap again? Are we going to see another... Um, maybe not thirty million all in one year, but maybe thirty million over five years, or even something greater than that. So as it stands now, it's very unlikely. Um, the gaming lobby has done a really good job of getting out in front of this thing and protecting itself. And um, state legislatures, knowing that they are stronger partners with these large corporations that do business in their state rather than the NBA, um, they have right. They they have been very influenced by the gaming industry. So what you have is. Um, I did an interview with Scott Kaufman Ross, who's head of gaming. You can read over at Action Network. And one of the things that he talked about was, look, we're open to all sorts of things. We're open to all sorts of conversation. He explained in detail the reasons why they pursued an integrity fee. And to be honest with you, a lot of it checks out with me. As a non-industry person, um, I'm more NBA-sided. Like, I'm an NBA person that does gambling rather than Mm -hmm. a gambling person that does NBA. Uh, The the league's case makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I wind up being like, okay, like, I get this. This makes sense. Um, however, the gaming industry has LOL that it's pretty hard and they haven't gotten anywhere on any of it to the point where the league in recent bills has already dropped it from 1% all the way down to 0.25%. So they're asking for like a tiny little slice of the pie, uh, to be able to get something in the door. Now, if a legislature, if they find one 
that takes it up and considers it seriously and adopts it, well, that sets a precedent, which means that another state may follow it, and that could generate. But then you have like a really weird thing where the NBA could be getting money from like Mississippi or Colorado or Pennsylvania, and then not getting it from Nevada, New York, New Jersey, um, you know, uh, California, etc. Like if you had a deal where the NBA was getting it in some states and not, like the NBA would obviously take it because it's revenue. Um, but it would be a really weird situation, and it would be very odd given that there are already now in New Jersey and Mississippi bills that have been approved. It would be – and Delaware. It would be very weird then for another state to be like, yeah, we'll pay the NBA. It's cut. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it only disincentivizes operators to work in your state. Like it takes jobs and money uh, and the taxes that are accumulated on these on these processes – out of your state, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it doesn't seem like there's a good chance. It seems like there's a very good chance that the NBA will not get um, its integrity fee, which is why um, at uh, summer league when the NBA had its kind of meeting, uh, Adam Silver brought up this whole thing about um, it, he brought up the whole thing about how their data is an intellectual property. They started talking about it in different terms because they realized, like, just coming in and saying, like, hey, this is our product. Like, we deserve a cut. Everybody was like, nah, not really. Um, and so they decided to be realist about it and were like, all right, well, what's the, another approach? And the other approach is to say, this is our intellectual property and you have to pay for it. And once you go down that road, that means that they'll work with the people directly. And he already, he kind of foreshadowed this MGM deal by saying, we'll work with those operators, you know, uh, first and foremost, which is going to set up a pretty big battle between the the books that want to do business with the NBA. Like, if you're big enough, if you're a company like Harrah's and you see MGM doing it, you're like, all right, let's get a deal with the NBA so we can have the official stuff. If you're uh, a smaller operation, if you're independently owned, or if you're a startup, you're like, well, we don't have to. Why would we? So it sets up this kind of really tense situation. Nobody really knows how it's going to work out. All we know is that the NBA getting MGM in its corner was a big deal for the NBA as much as it was a big deal for MGM. Um, you talked earlier about um, eventually, you know, you'll be making uh, bets on your phone and stuff like that. How is it going to change like the fan perspective in terms of how fans are going to be consuming the game of basketball? Like, am I going to be watching a Raptors game and betting in game that Kawhi Leonard's going to have five steals tonight? Yeah, so I think uh, if you're if you're with your friends, if you're with a group of friends, and all of you go out, and you're you pay your forty dollars for parking, and you're you know sixty dollars to a hundred dollars for tickets, and then uh, you're eighty a hundred thousand dollars for a beer in the place, <laughs> you're doing all this anyway. Uh, but you're sitting there and you're having a really good time, and the game's wild and it's awesome, uh, and you're like talking about it, and you're like, oh, we just can't stop Kawhi, man. Like we just can't stop. Like he's gonna score fifteen points in that fourth quarter. So he goes, no, you're not. Like, well, I'll put money on it right now. Boom. Mm. Pull it out and you put that down right there. Um, that's going to be, I think, part of the fan experience. And I think uh, there's a lot of conversations that go into this. And there's been a, a very wide discussion. And um, there's a, a big discrepancy in how these conversations are broached between the, the subjects of professional gamblers versus casual bettors. And that's where I think a lot of the conversation gets lost because professional bettors have very strong feelings about a lot of the stuff that the NBA talks about. And the NBA is like, you're not really who we're talking to like we're interested in the casual fan the nba would rather have the dad that took his his three kids to the game um and, is, the sitting there and is like and is like i'm gonna make 20 bucks on this real quick i'm gonna put 20 bucks on this rather than the dude that's gonna come in and be like i'm a professional better and i'm gonna put ten 
thousand dollars on um, the Sixers to win this game tonight, or whatever, or a thousand dollars win this game tonight. Like the NBA is more concerned about all of those dads getting in on that action, all of those those uh, casual fans getting in on the action, and that's a huge marketplace that we just don't know what the impact is going to be. That's where the cap gets interesting. Mm. Is we don't know. There's two questions to ask. One is how fast is the legislation going to generate? There's three questions. Sorry, how fast will the legislation get through? Because some are, are going to be done until next year, some until the year after. Like it could be three, four years until all of these legislatures pass bills, in which means that the cap, whatever cap hit those generate, would be slow. Two, the question is what's the NBA going to get out of it? Like, does this MGM thing set a precedent that everybody starts? bowing to or is this a one-off and the nba still only really generates an increase from increased ratings attendance and revenue which is what the gaming industry says is like people are going to care about your games more that's where you're going to make your money mm. and the nba is like yes but the bets um and then the third question honestly is uh, about what the the the, what the so-called handle how much money uh, is actually going to be taken in and what it's going to generate and nobody knows like it could be it, it could be tens of billions of dollars. It could be significantly less. Like this MGM deal does nothing. This MDM, MGM deal basically pops $100,000 onto BRI, which um, that's nice. Like every little bit helps, right? Like if you're a team trying to squeeze under the cap to make a deal done, that $100,000 could wind up being the difference. The way I've started to think about it is instead of thinking like a Kevin Durant 2016 kind of jump, mm -hmm. think about it in terms of how Danny Ainge in 2017, how he had to trade Avery Bradley to make room for Gordon Hayward. Imagine if there was enough of a bump from gambling to where he didn't have to do that. Right. Well, now they kept Avery Bradley and all these other – like if you make it to where these teams don't have to make those kind of decisions, you make for stronger teams. And that's where I think the cap impact could come from. Um. Do you think the league might have some questions to answer sort of before? Like, do you think they're getting into this a little bit early? Because sort of from an outsider's perspective, I'm thinking um, with issues like tanking uh, and intentionally resting players and things like that, can't that, like, affect sort of how um, viable the market is in terms of just, like, how much people are going to be willing to bet on, like, a random game in, um, I don't know, you know, April when the Atlanta Hawks are playing? Yeah, this is why, honestly, um, when you start looking at the the opportunity and the market for NBA betting, it's all about live action player betting. Okay. Because um, betting on the games has always been tough. Like it's just like anybody that's done it will tell you. Like it's a tough sport to crack. Mm -hmm. Like NFL generates the most because if you are good at it, you can be really good at it. Um, but the one the star aspect of it and how one player can impact the game so much to the fantasy aspect of it it's why you've seen already FanDuel is like out in front of this thing already setting up sports books like FanDuel you're going to be able in the states that are legislated you're going to be able to bet on on player performance um directly from your the, the FanDuel app and those companies are going to make bajillions uh from this deal uh, but that's going to be a huge part I think of the NBA experience is it's going to be less about you know like nobody's going to be like oh it's Hawks Kings in March I know because like there's just so much risk there. Like, exactly. There's just so much risk. You know, like Marcus they pulled Marcus Saul when he was on pace for like sixty versus the Jazz just <laughs> to tank out. Like how mad would you be if you were that? Um, I don't think the NBA necessarily is. I, well, I'll say this: the NBA is worried about tanking propriety and still continues to pursue eliminating it um, through things like flattening the lottery odds, etc. And they'll keep pushing for all these types of things. But I think the NBA at some point has to be like, look, we can't, I, I, you know, we can't, we can only legislate team behavior so much. Like, 
we, we just can't legislate everything out of it. Like I, we can't make it to where you no, you have to play your best players. And it's like, well, if your best player is pissing the coach off and the coach wants to send a message, the coach has to be able to bench him. So like, there's all these dynamics you can't really mess with for the integrity of the game. I don't think they're too worried about it because it's kind of baked in. But player performance is one where you're still always going to be able to bet on that. And that, I think, is where you're going to see probably the, the that's the market that tech and mobile open up mm -hmm. uh, such a big market for that hasn't really been touched yet. To be able to legally bet in-game on how a thing is going, how it's performing um, on both the team level and on a player level to be like, man, LeBron, I'll tell you what, LeBron does not have it tonight. I'm, I'm going to hit the under on remaining points for him in this game at, you know, like 22 or whatever. Um, to be able to put those kind of bets in, that's the conversation starter and, and the piece and that's going to bring, I think, a lot of attention and that there's actually a market for. Um, do you think they're – this is probably rolling into conspiracy theory territory, but, like, uh -oh. do, you, do you think there's the, – the NBA might have sort of an integrity problem, like, down the line. I think when we think gambling and, like, I think, you know, like you mentioned out top, like, obviously attitudes towards gambling has changed, but – I think for some people, they still think like, you know, Pete Rose and maybe even Tim Donaghy. And like, do you feel like that is an issue the league might eventually incur? And sort of, I, I don't know, how do they safeguard against that? Um, so be very, my typical response in these things is I'm, I'm typically a skeptic when it comes to these things being possible. Like the NBA is rigged. Like, come on, do you realize that? the league has so much exposure if they were to get caught? in rigging the league it's not worth it to them like you right. lose a multi-billion dollar industry essentially if you're caught rigging the game um so i tend to be kind of skeptical on those things i think there's there's reason for concern and the reason i think there's reason for concern is that um so many players have so many people in their ears mm -hmm. and so many people are going some of the of those guys um, quite honestly, come from such desperate circumstances that they are very like, especially when they're young. And that's another thing, right? Is like you're talking about nineteen-year-olds, uh, and this is one of the concerns that the league has. The league, the league, however, is going to do whatever it feels like it has to in order to maintain integrity. And I do believe that, like the league, unlike say the NFL, um, the they, the league will not try and just be like, just ignore it and move on. Like they'll really try and get ahead of this. Um, like they do, they already do a lot of education actually because of the overseas market, because betting goes on so much overseas. Mm -hmm. They already do programs like this. They're just going to have to do more because of how prevalent it is. Right. And they already do monitoring, but that's also why, that's why another reason they're very active in these conversations with legislatures. Like everyone's like, they just want the money. It's like, look, they, I'm not denying they want the money. They want the money. Don't get me wrong. The money's always very important. Um, but the other thing the league wants is it wants the data. It wants the, it wants the sports books to provide to their regulators to share with the NBA anonymized betting data so that if somebody – the example that, that Ross gave me was uh, they're talking about putting a limit on prop bets. They want to – they basically want a limit on prop bets for what, however much it is, 500, 1,000, whatever. They want a limit on how much you can bet on a player's performance so that um, – you're never going to have a situation where it turns out like, oh, this 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 betting syndicate had twenty thousand dollars on LeBron to score whatever. Now LeBron, that's about you know on X player. I don't know right. the player specifically, but X player to score whatever. And all of a sudden that dude's like gunning, right? Like he's going wild. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, man, the game's over. Why is he still? Why is he shooting so much? You know that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. You want to avoid. Um, but the concern was even if you put a limit on it, right? And you say you can only bet five hundred dollars at this place. Well, if he goes to one casino, he only puts 500 on it. He goes to the second casino, he puts 500 on it. He goes to the third casino, he puts 500 on it. And that's all monitored, and that 
data is sent to him because the NBA has a, a, a relationship with that state. But then that person drives across state lines and goes to three other casinos and puts the same bet down mm. all like 15 times in the span of a day. Well, now you got a real problem. Like now you got a real issue um, because that guy's you're talking about exp exposure there to a lot of money. And the only way to be able to track that, oh, this like one person, even if you're not if you're able to anonymize it so the state regulators can be the ones to pursue it, the NBA should be able to, to do cross state uh, re regulation to be able to look at it and go, look, we see the same betting pattern across two different states. It's the same amount on the same day at these locations, which are within driving range, mm. to be able to notify the regulators, this looks fishy, you should probably investigate. Um, and that's why I think the data actually is really important to them to get. And that's something that the books really want to hold out because they're like, we've, we, we do our own stuff. We know how to, how to identify people that are, that are trying to, uh, you know, doing something shady. Right. But the NBA, I think rightfully has a right to, to get in the conversation and try and protect their game because it is their product. Um, I, I think one of the other things I thought about was like, um, I encountered this like old Deadspin piece the other day about, um, how there was like one scorekeeper in Vancouver back in like in 1997 that messed around and fudged up some numbers for Van Exel's Nick Van Exel, uh, um, and his assist total. And he got like 23 assists and he kind of like basically invented like six of those. Like, do you think that, I mean, obviously like a lot has changed in those 20 years and that guy is no longer working. Um, as a stat keeper, but like, do you feel like those small things might need to be addressed by the NBA? Because I think, as 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 I'm, you know, presently aware, like it's the the scorekeepers are still thirty team employed people, and they they must have some small biases um, within them, and that might ultimately affect something like, you know, whether or not, uh, I guess, points is difficult because I mean, you can you score how many points you score, but with something like assists, you know, it's a little bit more subjective and. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some room, the wiggle room there. Like, uh, do you know? What I'm talking I'll about? say. I'll say this. Okay. Um, I think that if you're betting on assists, there's a point where it's kind of like if you're betting on hockey. Okay. Like, yeah, it's too random. Like, like what are you doing? Yeah. Um, that's kind of it. Like you're gonna have to learn your lesson on your own because okay. now if you go through, like, you go to NBA.com, all the videos available there. If you go to stats.nba.com, pull up the assist leaders and just click on player sortables tracks and just go through any player. Just start watching videos, and you're gonna be like, "That's not an assist." Like he passed to the guy. The guy took five dribbles and a euro step. Like what? Like no. Like he he pump faked four times and reset his dribble and then shot. That's not an assist. Mm. Um, like I do all this film work and I'm doing it right now. And I know you do too. Like you do yeah. that stuff and you're like, "That's not an assist. Get out of here." Like that is not. There's no way that is a pass that led directly to a bucket. That is just not how it goes. Um, and there's a reason that a lot of the times there are there are certainly props that will come up on. Uh, assist rebounds etc but most of the time when you see these prop bets it's points and rebounds and it's, right. there'll be points and rebounds combined I and I think a lot of that is because um that stuff doesn't get fudged now i think there is a question of like you know and i don't have the answer to this of um i, I would imagine if i ask the nba like what do you have in place they'll, mm -hmm. and that's probably a question i need to ask but um there's there's a question of like what do you have in place to safeguard against stack keeper problems because everybody's gonna look at like the players because that's a very sexy story but you're right in that like if you wanted to skew something you wouldn't go to uh you wouldn't get, if you wanted to try and, and get an edge on something you may not go to the player because the player is gonna is making 25 million dollars a year it's hard to incentivize him at a level that's worth his risking his career over exactly but if you go to the scorekeeper that's a team employee that's a whole different deal um and so these are the questions I, I do think have to be answered there this does prevent a minefield and so it is important kind of to um 
to keep in mind the NBA's position, which is the NBA came out in favor of sports betting when they saw an international market explode that was all everybody was already betting and many of them inside the United States. Yeah. Like the offshore books are already taken in their estimates as high as $150 billion a year in sports betting. Jeez. And when you have that kind of a market, if you're the NBA and you're like, I would rather have a regulated market than an unregulated one. Right. Like I would rather have this legalized so we can monitor it than have it be the wild west where I have no idea what's going on. It's like and the marijuana the argument. So that's part of the conversation too. The NBA is not the NBA hasn't been driving this conversation in such a way that they're like, we're really anxious to get this because of the revenue. Mm-hmm. They've mostly been like, look, this is heading in this direction, so we're going to go ahead and support it. Uh, P.S. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, if you're going to do it, we want our cut. Yeah. Um, what about on our side of the thing? I mean, do you think this is going to affect like the media landscape like five years from now when betting is super popular and – um, you know, instead of writing like winners and losers, we might be writing more sort of like gambling, um, angled pieces. Um, now the, the best way to honestly think about it from a, a media content standpoint, basically from a, a general fan standpoint, mm-hmm. the reason I got into it, like I'm not, I am not a, a big better. I'm just not, um, one now it's like, I can't ever have it to where like I'm I have I have a significant income part of my income any sort of meaningful part of my income on the outcome of a game a season or a player because that's going to impact how I write like that just can't happen but so anyway I don't I don't really I'm I'm not I'm not really a better but what I find really fascinating about this entire industry and why I, I work for the Action Network it's another way to look at the game and it's really fascinating um, and it's also a really good actually indicator of how good a team is. If, if you're constantly beating what the line is, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that that goes into the market because, like, um, for example, Utah Jazz and Memphis Grizzlies uh, season over-unders are always going to be pitifully low. Toronto Raptors, by the way, as mm. well. Um, Not this are year. Generally, typically. Not this year. Um, ESPN has us for, like, 55 wins this year. Well, that's ESPN. Let's see what the oddsmakers come out with. Yeah, That'll be right. what's interesting, right? It's like, yeah. if the ESPN has you at 55 and the oddsmakers come out at 49.5, it's probably an indicator that there's a soft market and they're trying to drum up action mm. on the over in order to get some money on that. Right. Um, so Memphis and Utah always get really low lines, and the Lakers always get way higher than what they're expected. Um, because of how many people bet on the Lakers. And so all these kind of market dynamics are interesting, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting to look at from the idea of, pers- of the perspective of how much do you outperform expectations. And like the Warriors are a great example this year. Like if you want, if, if somebody's like, well, they still had a really good year and they had all these injuries, it's like, look, they were one of the worst teams in the league against the spread. There is no better indicator that they half assed their way through the season than how bad they were against the spread because they were expected to beat all these teams. And even when Vegas got smart and started lowering the lines, the Warriors still continue to fail to cover against the spread. And that's an indicator that they basically don't perform the expectations uh, based off of a, a general market of expectation. Mm. Um, okay, I guess lastly, let's quickly talk basketball because I feel like we've talked a little bit too much about gambling. Um, how do you see the East shaking out? Uh, because it, it to me, with the Raptors, when they, when they traded for Kawhi Leonard, I don't know. I feel like they're the sexy pick, but I still think I have the Boston Celtics over them. And... Um, I don't know. Maybe we're even sleeping on the Sixers a little bit because every time you see one of these Joel Embiid videos, it, it it just terrifies you because it looks like he's completely unstoppable. It's fascinating because this is the first. Year. It's like it's it's totally wide open, man. Like it's it, the the league the East really is wide open. Um, we may get to January and just be like, oh no, it's it's Boston. Like it's just it's just Boston. Um, that's a possibility because of 
how good they were last year despite not having Hayward and then Kyrie for half of the year gone essentially mm-hmm. um, to get those two guys back after what they learned. But there's chemistry questions is there as well. Um, I think I've still got I've got Boston number one with a bullet. I think Boston's just going to win an unreasonable number of games um, just because they're 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 really good in every aspect. Their deep well, not every aspect. Their defense is so good. I have to believe adding Gordon Hayward will make their offense considerably better because he does a lot of what they need, which is playmaking, which is not really Kyrie's jam. Um, and then you know even if Kyrie's not 100% healthy, just Jalen and Tatum. Like Tatum showed so much, and Tatum's only going to be better. We talked about those offseason workout videos for for Joel. Well, Tatum's yeah. are, are looking good too, so they're going to be really good. Um, I think. Definitely in the second in that second tier, it's it's definitely Philadelphia and Toronto. It's everyone kind of agrees on it. I'm really here's my thing with Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about stuff that is not on court. I worry more about. I'm less worried about like how does Kawhi Leonard fit with the Raptors and yeah, all he of these, fits fine. <laughs> I'm more, I, I, like I'm more worried about like is Kyle Lowry just going to be like yeah f you people like yeah. f everyone screw you. Um, that's a guy that has never been the most pleasant person in the world to be around all the time. Um, he's not a fan of media. Then, he's just not a fan. Yeah. Uh, and then for him to lose his best friend, I, I don't know how he's going to react. I just don't. Um, and he's getting up there in age and there's gonna be all these explanations. But then like, look, I thought he really struggled the first half of last year and he closed great. Oh yeah. He was for really sure. good. That second half of that year. So uh, if if Kyle's just like a total pro, which that's not unreasonable, like I think that's pretty reasonable to expect of him. Like if you're a Raptors fan, you want to say I think that he's going to be a pro's pro. Okay, cool. Then you know the Raptors are going to win 50 plus games again, and they're going to be a serious threat in the in the East, even with the whole thing of Kawhi hanging over a team. But on the other hand, it's like look, when you got a guy in that situation where he could leave, it creates a lot of tension in that locker room. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know how, how to suss that out. If things work out, the Raptors could win the could win the Eastern Conference title and go to the finals. That's like a completely reasonable thing to expect. Um, Philadelphia, I get the idea of their improvement, and they should be better. I also think they they I think they over they outperformed reasonable expectations last year. I think a lot of it was Embiid went down. They had Ilyasova and Bellinelli at the deadline, and those two guys shot unreasonably well for about a month, and that pushed them to that 16-game win streak because they were also playing some weak-ass teams. Yeah, so like everything kind of teams. went together for them to get the 52. I think they're more like a 47-win team, and, and so with the internal improvement, that probably pushes them back up to like 50, 50, you know, maybe 52. Maybe the internal improvement is five wins, and they're with Fultz being. Uh, looking like after working with Drew Hanlon, that definitely pushes them up in my mind. So they could be like a 52. But I do think that they're still going to be a vulnerable team that's still figuring things out. They should take a step forward this year. I just don't know if that step is Eastern Conference Finals or they're actually competitive in the second round. My big question is about the Dark Horse teams. Um, and it's mostly centered around Indiana, Washington, and, and Milwaukee. Because I feel like one of those teams is likely to come out of nowhere and must be like, oh, like they are there. Like they are a serious threat to win the Eastern Conference title. Um, Indiana gave the honestly gave the Cavs and LeBron the toughest challenge that they saw last year in the in the playoffs. Uh, they're only going to be better. Oladipo is only going to be better. They added Doug McDermott, which is a f- sneaky good signing. They added Quincy AC, which is or not Quincy AC, Kevin um, uh, Kyle Quinn, which is a sneaky good addition. Um, they are going to be better, and I like the draft pick too, Aaron Holiday. So like. They are better than they were last year, and they were real good last year. Like their metrics were so solid last year. Milwaukee, they have an actual coach now with the best player in the Eastern Conference in Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
maybe Kawhi Leonard. That's arguable. Um, yeah, we got to see Kawhi healthy then, again first. So I'll give it to Giannis for now. Yeah, so, like, until we see Kawhi healthy. Um, and then, like, look, with the kind of guys that they have, their shooting should be better. They had Brooke Lopez for a one-year $5.3 million deal. They have shooting now. Um, the Bucks are going to be, I think, a really interesting team. And then the Wizards are the Wizards where, you know, <laughs> you know, we don't know. Like, if they do ever put it together, which they probably – probably won't because they keep not but if they do ever put it together like they have some of the best talent in the eastern conference this thing's wide open the playoffs should be super competitive Mm -hmm. it should be really interesting to see i think it's gonna be a i think it's gonna be a lot of drama that very few people are paying attention to uh because everybody's gonna be focused on the west but it should be a really exciting year i think in the eastern conference yeah for sure and look i I know it's like sort of the old um storylines of just like you know one of these mid-tier teams is gonna break into the top like you know the top echelon of the uh, of the conference, but like, yeah, I mean the way you mentioned it, like, there's a couple of teams there with potential. I think every single year, um, and honestly, even with Washington, like, I feel like they're a better playoff team than like, than even than even Indiana might be, for example. Right? I know Indiana like obviously did a pretty good job to the Cavs, but I think that was also matchup wise. I think defensively they were really you know geared to play them. I feel like offensively, you know, Indiana, I still have issues with them in terms of just like. Who's your secondary creator? Is it going to be Tyreek? Is he going to be your secondary guy in the playoffs to generate offense? Um, that's obviously looking ahead quite a bit now. But, I mean, Washington, I mean, you know, Dwight is not – he's better than Gortat, at least, I think. And, you know, Wall and Beal are always good in the playoffs. Like, then that's always going to be a tough uh, opponent for any of the, uh, the top Eastern teams to deal with. And, um, you know, with Kawhi, I mean, that's obviously, I think, the biggest question mark in the conference. But also, like – even when you look at Milwaukee with Bud and what he can do there um, in terms of just, like, bringing a sensible amount of coaching, like, do you think that, like, I mean, I feel like Milwaukee, right? I mean, the the question has been coaching, and I guess to some smaller extent, uh, you know, point guard and center, but coaching has sort of been that major topic there. Do you feel like Bud is going to be um, the stabilizing force that actually brings the best out of that team because it feels like that team is also another one where they always underachieve and end up losing the first round despite having great talent. Um, I really look at what they did actually um, in the year where Horford was injured, which is the year before they they went off in 2015. So 2014, mm-hmm. Horford went down and, and missed time, and so what he did was he just plugged Paro Antich in. Right, uh, and I forget, and I think that was the Pacers who they played. Um, yep. They gave them fits because they just played five out. Um, and it was such a great adjustment to just be like, no, we're gonna, we're just gonna play five out the whole time and just screw it. Oh, you're gonna pack the paint. We're just gonna completely counter. We're going five out. Yeah, Roy um, Hibbert got completely erased from that series. Yeah, and then kind of foreshadowing, sadly, his fall from the league. So yeah. I think a lot of it is um, what I've seen Bud do with adjustments when he's not facing LeBron James. Um, and as Raptors fans, you will know, like sometimes it's just really hard that there's no answer versus LeBron. Like there's just no answer. And that was really Bud's only problem was that he couldn't beat LeBron was that he couldn't figure out a way to beat LeBron James. Um, I like the way that he coaches defense. They're consistently very sound and solid. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, I think is going to be helpful. I think also just Bud's going to think the part of it was you look at the Hawks and like, they just brought such like they had some knuckleheads on that team like Jeff Teague and Dennis Schroeder um, they had Horford and Millsap who are pros pros but they had like some personalities on that team and they were such a they were so professional mm-hmm. like they just they, they were serious about their business they played well together like that was one of the things is like the Hawks in 2015 where the Warriors were all about joy and trash talking and blah like the Hawks were like the counter to that where they were like no like, we really like playing it. 
Yeah, like we we we're real, but it, there was a lightness, there was a lightheartedness to them that the Spurs don't have. Right. Where it's like, yeah, we just really like playing together and winning basketball games. Like it was just really refreshing. And if they're able to bring that kind of perspective, and he connects with Giannis, um, I think they could be really, really good. Uh, I think when we look at how good Giannis has improved year over year over year, and how much tougher it's going to be over the next five years to stop him individually, I think Eric Bledsoe is capable of so much more than what he showed last year, especially in the playoffs. Mm. And I think Chris Middleton's honestly one. I'm sorry, Raptors fans, is like okay, one of the okay. most. We've let that really go like, now that De- Demar is gone. We we just we have to surrender that fight eventually, and it's actually <laughs> kind of a relief to be honest. Um, but yeah, like Chris Middleton's honestly, you know, one of the most underrated and, and really valuable wings in the league with what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're going to be like, I, I, I haven't really sat down to be like, I'm going to figure out exactly who I've got where I'm starting to do that now. Right. Um, I think I'm probably going to have them with home court. I don't know if they're going to wow. be four or higher, but I think I'm probably going to put Milwaukee in home court. It's tough because that means I got to bump somebody. Yeah. Which that gets really difficult. But, um, you know, it's that's the thing is, is again, everybody's like, you know, the Eastern Conference and the lack of all stars. But no, the, the top end is pretty good. Like, I feel like the MVP is destined really to come out teams. of the East. Like, don't you feel like the MVP is destined to come out of the East? Like Giannis has a really good shot at it. Um, Kawhi has a good shot at it. A really good shot, too, if he's healthy. Right. Like, I would probably put those guys as, I don't know, my leading candidates. Yeah, like, I think I think those guys are definitely in the conversation. Um, you know, again, it's, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens with like Kawhi. Like that's one of the really interesting things about this. So yeah. All right, Matt. Thank you so much um, for coming on the show. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, go to um, actionnetwork.com. You can find all my work there. I've got a podcast called Spread the Floor. So you have a new podcast up on Monday. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at HB Basketball, or if you don't like all my volume, you can go to at Matt Moore T A N. All right, a huge thank you to Matt Moore. And uh, before we wrap up, uh, a reminder to please support Pound the Rock by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. It helps us a ton. And also to download the Score app. And uh, as for the podcast, we'll be back next week. 